Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Human Challenge, where we explore all the human challenges in today's world, the challenges of being human, and how we can challenge ourselves to be more human for the greater good. Uh, I'm your host, Vanessa Ferleno, and today we are going to be talking about citizen science, a word, a term I've never heard of, and I think it's just fascinating. Um, we're going to be talking about Wings of Survival, a groundbreaking expedition initiated by Dr. Tim Dubert, a ecologist and explorer, and Leanna Carrier, an extreme endurance athlete who, in June 2024, are setting out on a self-powered 30,000-kilometer expedition across the Americas through the westernmost migratory bird flyway, which we will learn what all those words mean in just a second, uh, here really to raise awareness around the biodiversity crisis, advancing environmental science, and mobilizing action for nature conservation. So I welcome both Dr. Dubert, Tim, and Leanna to the show. Thank you both so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. And so I, I want to start because you both obviously have very different backgrounds. And so I am very curious how you guys came together um, to pull this huge initiative off. Um, and I know, you know, I know we're still kind of early. I know you still got till June, um, but, you know, these kinds of things take time. So maybe, Tim, tell us a bit about your background, uh, really how it suits you, you know, what you're trying to accomplish with it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a scientist. And um, I, I'm an explorer, so I've been I've been a member of the Explorers Club for a long time, liaising with some of the most accomplished explorers, and 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 listening and learning about so many amazing projects. And for a long time, I've tried to tried to carve out my own project and wondered what what could it be, what could I do in life that's very impactful, that's meaningful, bringing together all my talents, my skills. What's it going to be? And then at some point, about two and a half years ago, I came across this map by BirdLife International, and it depicts those migratory bird flyways. So these are corridors, and they go, they connect the different hemispheres. So it's a simplification, but it's a it's a concept of how birds migrate across the seasons, looking for um, dr driven by resource availability. And, and it just immediately clicked. And I thought, yeah, this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to traverse all these eight flyways in the next 20 years. I'm going to retire now. That's, that's the long-term goal. So that's, that's really how it started for me. And yeah, it very much aligned with what um, Liana was thinking to do, is thinking to do. So yeah, that's, and, that's my starting point. And so you said so you're a scientist you're an ecologist um what like what did you what did you study and and can you tell us a little bit more about the about like migratory flyways um yeah tell us a little yeah. bit more yeah so i've um i've been very fortunate to to study tropical ecology so i've spent spent about three years living in a hammock in borneo totally immersed in the rainforest looking at, at human impacts on how ecosystems change the impacts on animals um, I lived in Thailand for many years, again, studying something similar in the context of forest fragmentation, splitting forests into smaller islands, so to speak, and what's the implications on ecosystems. That's sort of my, my, my graduate study background. And then I came to Canada, where I'm living right now. I studied, um, or I've been researching grassland ecosystems here. Again, context of biodiversity, carbon, and, and the birds are really... The birds are something I've always been interested in, but not more interested than, than mammals and insects, just any creature. 
in a yeah. way. So birds are, I wouldn't say random, but it's it's just by chance that it happens happens to be birds in, in this project. And and so chance for me, but it makes a lot of sense if we look at the ecology and and the migration of birds, because they're literally connecting all the continents, the countries, the communities, individuals. So that makes them a really full, really powerful group of, of animals to study. And there's about 10,000 species. So, um, so, so it's not overwhelming, if you know what I mean. That's, um, and they're not as elusive as, as mammals. So people, yeah. people get to see them, people get to experience them. And it's, it's in a way creating this opportunity for, for each and every country or community to be engaged so it's, it's both, it's an opportunity and it's a responsibility that's shared across um, every corner of the planet, really. So birds, birds are perfect for, for being a hook for, an, for a conservation project. Right. That's, uh, that's very interesting, actually. I really appreciate that perspective. Um, and and I, think, I, know, I think we'll get into it a little bit longer, a little bit later, um, but I, I do really appreciate that perspective of almost a symbolism of, of birds, <laughs> like their importance in the natural ecosystem. I mean, I know the relationship between uh, like the health of the planet and the health of ourselves, and I think we'll get into that a little later. Uh, but before we do, I want to just jump over quickly to Miana. You know, what's your side of the story? What's your version here? <laughs> Yeah, slightly different. We come from different backgrounds. Um, been an athlete for a very long time. My focus was always trying to get that Olympic spot. And I missed it in 2016. I was a pole vaulter for Canada, completed a couple international events. And then I also became Canada's first female decathlete in, I think that was 2015. And I won a Woman of Vision Awards for that. So I was an athlete and then I had my daughter and I think like most athletes you kind of struggle with finding that what do we do now um, what's my purpose now because for years and years and years I'd be planning my life on these four-year cycles so after having my daughter I dived into the world of endurance sport which has taken me um, all over the place racing I raced Mount Everest marathon uh, in Patagonia extreme triathlon a few other Ironmans and just fell in love with being outside, running in the trails, swimming in the rivers, um, being on my bike and having that sense of just freedom and flying, kind of like pole vault, which I love. Uh, and yeah, and then I, I met, or through COVID, races had been cancelled and everything. So I was outside a lot training during COVID. And I just felt so connected in nature. And I really enjoyed that passion and to share that with other people. And during a race we were two weeks out of a big race uh Ironman Canada and it got cancelled and I was so frustrated because I've been working so hard so I saw that there was a record attempt on this Pan American Highway which basically follows the Pacific Flyway um and so I started researching a bit and saw that there was record attempts and I thought to myself I can do this no no female's done this yet or established a record so I kind of had this in the back of my mind and I met Tim and showed him the map and he had been thinking, I guess, similar thoughts about following a certain path, but for different reasons. So we kind of came together and he said, you know, yeah, I'll ride that, which again, I don't think you can find many people that's, that are willing to ride 30,000 kilometers with you. Um, so I was surprised. He's like, yeah, but I think I have a better idea or kind of a, a more purposeful reason to ride this highway. And he he's shared so much information over the last yeah two and a half years with me and it's been quite a learning and a transition phase for myself 
And it's just so exciting how this project is now growing. And for me, I love inspiring and empowering. So yeah, I, I just love every, every bit of this project and more, more kind of connection we can have with each other through the natural world, through sports, through science, and really thinking without borders and coming together to improve the health of each other and the planet. Right. I mean, I love a lot of those words, bringing like communities together, people together, thinking without borders. Um, I think that's, that's, that's really, they're like purposeful, right? Very impactful, very purposeful. Um, what was I going to ask you here? So uh, two years, it took, you've been like, you've been talking about this for two years. I actually thought this was like a very recent thing, but so this has been two years in the making so far, planning this out. Yes. Yeah. 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 But it's going by really fast. When you say that, oh, you have a lot of time in June, I'm secretly having a panic attack. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I guess for me, it's like lots of time. But yeah, you're like, yeah, I can appreciate that. So, But you have you been training for this for two years, though? Yeah, I mean, I think... Part of part of who we both are is always being active and healthy. So we're we're never not cycling. Like we're we're always active and doing some sort of fun adventure. We just got back from Morocco. We've done a couple of backpacking trips to Patagonia and then some races. So I think expressing ourselves on the physical side is is definitely very important to me, and I think it is for Tim as well. So yeah, it's it's just part of who we are. It's our lifestyle. So. We'll get more bike fit as it goes, but we're always on our bikes. <laughs> as and much as you can in Edmonton, yes. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, and so then the other thing I wanted to talk about was, I, I know I mentioned in my intro the term citizen science, and I know that, Tim, you were telling us about it like just before we, we hopped on. And so can you tell us a little bit more about it um, and, and I guess why it's important and, and how uh, the the wings of survival is you know is or how it's a part of wings of survival i should say yeah so so really the motivation here is what we're trying to achieve is, is revolves around this idea of how do you get people who normally don't don't gravitate towards conservation nature birds right. how do you get those people on board right because eventually it has to be a concerted effort across the globe. Um, if, if we want to try and fix all the different crises that we're facing, and we're not just talking about biodiversity and climate change, obviously, it's a, a lot of social or socioeconomic problems, crises that that fit right in. It's all interconnected. So how, how do we win people, basically, um, and not not just keeping it within your circle all the time? Because, yes, people are going to give you likes if they like birds but how do you get those people who don't know much about birds who who don't know that birds birds migrate and so that's really fundamentally what what underpins this this mission how do you how do you capture different audiences so what we're going to do is we're going to put some little gps devices and they're they're really really tiny on several birds up in the high arctic and that allows us to track the journeys of those birds which takes several months and all the way down to Patagonia, ideally, if the birds collaborate. So we're, we're going to pick some species which do go all the way, right? So, But you, nev- you still never know. The, the birds, obviously, they make their own choices. So we don't know if they're going to go all the way to Patagonia. Birds they might stop in Colombia because they like it. Um, 
We really don't know, but this is the idea. We want to create suspense, a story arc based on the birds' journeys and our journeys. And we're going to use yeah, tracking technology that's available to us as well. And, and that's how we want to reach virtual audiences. So having this parallel journey, um, we're all going to face the same obstacles. It's the same fundamental ideas of what do we eat? Where do we sleep? Are we safe? Where we, where we stop? So, so really we become ambassadors to the birds. We're just being catalysts for something, for something much bigger because, yeah, we believe it's so essential to have a human component to make people understand nature much better because it's, it's this struggle, which I've been facing as a scientist where you, you do your scientific work and say you're living in the rainforest for, for a few years and you create scientific papers, but then what, right? It's just not taken up by anyone. So it's in, in a way it just, it just sits there without any application. So, so numbers are always a struggle, right? How do we, how do we get beyond numbers? How do we make, make people feel, right? It, it has to be a heartfelt decision. Otherwise, otherwise it just can, it, it can come through policy perhaps, but you really want to win people by heart, by emotion. So once you bring in the human component, it's much easier for people to understand, or at least to have a feeling. Cycling from Alaska to Patagonia, it's going to trigger something, right? Crazy, insane, amazing, some kind of response. But if you say, so if you say a bird is flying from Alaska to Tasmania to New Zealand, which birds do, which is utterly out of this world, right? If you think about it as a, from a human perspective, but how do you get this message across? And, and I believe there's so much potential to bring in, bring in sports, bring in adventure, arts as well, you know, photography, different types of arts. It's, it's essential, basically. It's essential to get the message across. So this is, this is what we're creating. So when we talk about citizen science, it's this opportunity to engage people, right, to, to make people feel... Um, so, so people say they might be interested in, in birds in this context and they're always observing birds and they're writing down the names and, and there's potential for contributing this to, to scientific, to scientific studies. So, so this is a wonderful way for people to feel we are part of a bigger puzzle piece. We, we're just small, but we're contributing something that's for a larger endeavor. So this is where, and, and, and citizen science is really, is really powerful in the bird space. So there's something called eBird, and they've had, I don't know, I don't want to get the number wrong, but let's say a billion submissions since, I think it's been initiated around 2000. So it's, it's been out there for 20 years. It's an app, and you can, you can record your sightings. And scientists, scientists literally use this for, for publishing papers in nature and science, so in the top journals, because it's such powerful information. And now there's technologies where we can use sound, for example, so people can identify species um, just by recording sound. So there's different apps. So, so lots of space for getting people engaged and involved. And like Liana said, it's this idea of conservation or working together across across borders. We're all we're all part of a bigger mission. That's very fascinating. I mean, I think this idea of just engaging with the general public and making us all a part of science, right, in a way. And it's not even just science. It's like this adventure, right? This this mm-hmm. this Pan-American trek that I can be a part of and not have to ride 30,000 kilometers. <laughs> so, 
I have to say, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I am okay with that. And then um, the last piece here is, um, I guess, restoring this connection to the natural world. Um, and and I think you you know you both kind of touched on it, right? Like maybe can we dive a little more into how birds are kind of symbolic of that? Um, I think one of you mentioned before earlier that uh, birds are one of the uh, like a strong indicator, I think it was, of of, yeah. of the health of the planet. Like, yeah, I would love to learn a little more about that. Yeah. So I think for myself, um, not being a scientist and kind of learning about this, um, that's what's great. You can always be learning. Um, learning about the importance of the birds and why I get asked that, well, why, why the birds? And uh, the biggest thing is the birds provide a good indicator for the health of the environment. So if the birds are declining in a certain area, then we know we know there's something wrong with the environment or something could be improved. Um, if you're protecting the birds, you're protecting the land. And the birds, as Tim mentioned, they fly they fly all over. There's no borders. So, uh, for instance, actually here in Edmonton, they had taken away Horlack Park. So all the geese migrating came to their home that they've come for the last how many years, and they don't have a home now. Right. So there's 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 these instances where where this is happening, and we we have to look why, and as a community, uh, we have to figure out how we can protect the birds and also the 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 lands. And there's lots of different ways I think of doing that, depending where you are. So I think the birds represent again kind of hope and endurance and vulnerability, and hopefully we'll be able to showcase this through our documentary and get people to kind of step outside their doors and. And, you know, join, join eBird or, I mean, and that's a free, something free. I didn't know about these things. So I, I didn't realize how important the birds were to the health of the environment, but really kind of finding that connection to nature again, because I think all of us nowadays have experienced or seen some sort of terrible, terrible event, whether it's kind of the fires have been really bad in Alberta and BC this year, um, well, all over the world, but, uh, it's just it's heartbreaking to see when I'm riding my bike now and I see just these forces. When I was a kid, they were big and green and luscious. And now they're gone or it's taking my daughter to the ocean and and I can't find a starfish for her to see. And when I was a kid, they were there and trying to trying to build a healthier future for everyone. Right. Um, Tim, did you have anything else to add on that? Yeah, maybe um, there's, there's a metaphor of you know, there's some canary in the coal mine. And and that's really what migratory birds are, what those canaries used to be um, to, to coal mining. You know, they're such a, such a good indicator. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd add it's, it's really this idea of nudging people. So we don't want to, we don't want to impose something on people, right? We don't want to say you have to do this or you have to do that um, because, because we're in trouble planetary um, with the planet. It's really nudging people to change their perception, because I feel from a personal point of view, sometimes it doesn't take much. You just have to hear about something. You just have to see something. It's this, this planting a seed or this trigger, which can really lead to your own change. You all, everybody has to come to that, their own conclusion, right? You don't want to enforce on people. So it's, I think because we're developing this, this cohesive story where we can't talk about our adventure without talking about the birds, it's really nudging something in people. And then you build in those cool linkages where we have um, a scientist on board who's going to study our um, physiological resilience. Obviously, it's 
there's going to be sunny days, but there's going to be lots of rainy days too. So um, it, it does something to you on a physical, but obviously um, just as much, if not more, on a, in a mental space. So we're going to have a scientist who's going to study this. And, and then we're going to, um, we're also going to study physiology and physical components of how do we change? How do we adapt? What's our resilience? And, and there's a lot of studies on the birds. So we can cross compare. Again, it's this idea of storytelling, right? How do you build those connections between, between us and the birds, which, which then makes people realize I might be the best endurance athlete on the planet compared to a bird. I'm, I'm just being dwarfed here. This bird is flying. 11 days, 15,000 kilometers in one go. And, and in that process, I'm, the bird is changing its physiology completely, shrinking its stomach, building its respiratory system to maybe twice the size, things we are just not capable of. So it's, it's really getting people fascinated. Um, wow. That is, that's very fascinating. Um, and it sounds like it's a very humbling experience, I think, too, is kind of what you're describing. Like, you know, we think we're like so great as human beings, but then I think doing something like this, like alongside nature, alongside other like species, right? It's it's like this experience of like, wow, um, we're, there's so much wonder, you know, in, in the world around mm -hmm. us, so much more beyond just us. And then I think messages like that are just very important because as humans we get so caught up in like our stuff you know we just miss the truth of the world you know the beauty of the world and, uh, so i really i really love that 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 message so how in a way how do we how do we become stewards more than dominators right how, how do we become part of nature how do we look after other species i think that's fundamentally where we need to evolve to as humankind yeah Fe feeling responsible for everything else Right. Or like we're part of that, like that co-creation, right? Like we're part of that altogether. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think, you know, we talk about the human challenge, the human experience, right? It's, it's that how do we challenge ourselves to think that way? And yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Um, so you mentioned then that you're you're going to be documenting, filming. So how do we how do we keep in touch with you throughout this journey until June, which is not so far away? I'm just recorrecting, <laughs> but I don't want to stress anybody out either. So I'm just going to, until June. So how do we follow you, you know, until June and then like after June, like, how do we follow you? How do we support? Let us know. Yeah. So everything's on our website, www.wingsofsurvival.com. You can find us also on Instagram at wings of survival and yeah, follow our journey there. Um, even just a follow is a way of supporting. So that's great. Uh, You'll listen to all of our podcasts and media stuff. It's all on the website as well as you can subscribe to our newsletter as well. Awesome. I will be subscribing to the newsletter because I want to, I want to follow this. Just not on my bike. I have a Da Vinci hatchet. <laughs> I love my bike. Oh, nice. It's beautiful. It's, nice. it's a bright red, like she's a nice, but I don't yeah. to ride her 30,000 kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> Trek actually gave us aluminum bikes, so they're a little bit hardier. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Um, all right, well, you, you, you are based in you are based in the flyway, right? Are, are you in California? So I go back and forth right now. I'm in northern Ontario. Am I part of a flyway? Am I part of any flyway? Yes. Everyone's Every part of a flyway. No excuses here for not riding, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've 
sorry. <laughs> I will support. I will donate. <laughs> but maybe I'll fly to the finish line. Maybe I'll be happy to welcome you there. All right. Well, thank you both for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to share all the links as well in the description. Please follow them both and please support. And um, I'm very excited to to follow you guys. Really, I think it's really fascinating. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Take care.